Hi, I am Kyle. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the Social Ninjas. Hiya! Jeremy and I both struggled with social anxiety and mental health overall. Now we both work to improve our own mental health and the mental health of others by sharing what we did to help our social anxiety and what we learn and continue to do to improve upon our own mental health. What we share is what we learn from our own experiences. We are not mental health professionals and what we say should not be used in place of or replacement of medication or your doctor. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the show. show. Welcome to the Social Ninjas Podcast. I am your co-host, Kyle, and join with me as always, Jeremy. What's going on, Jeremy? I am your uh, your co-host, Jeremy. Yes. Woo, let's do this. <laughs> and we also have a very special guest with us today, Saraj. How you doing, Saraj? Doing very well. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast. So, uh, I mean, I know a little bit about your story because I watched your TEDx, but for those who haven't seen that, kind of don't know who you are, can you give us just kind of a, a quick background and introduction of yourself? Uh, yes, absolutely, Kyle. Um, so it all started about 10 years back and, you know, I finished my uh, MBA. I'm, I'm based out of India, so, you know, uh, a far more conservative society as compared to possibly uh, a lot of your audience. Uh, so I thought I'll set that context. So it all started about 10 years back when I finished my MBA and I was working for a bank, um, spending hours and hours uh, in front of a laptop, which of course was not really working well. Uh, I was a very outdoor adventurous playful kid uh, but you know there is a there is a system that you follow uh, which is you finish your graduation and you finish your post-graduation you get a good job and uh, I happened to do all that uh, but then just one day it did not really feel right so I quit my job uh, to pursue the outdoors um, started an adventure company of my own uh, climbed mountains across the world, did a lot of hikes and treks, and uh, finally, you know, one day decided that, like every other person who would want to reach the epitome of their career, uh, for for a mountaineer, uh, you know, it's it's the epitome is literally the highest point in the world, which is uh, Mount Everest. So that journey started in 2014 wherein, um, you know, I decided that I can possibly climb Everest. And uh, I was lucky to have a friend, a companion or a partner in crime who, who also had quit his job with me. And, you know, we both started this together. Like the two of you do this together. I think your partnership is great. So um, this friend of mine, Samir, and I, you know, we decided we could give Mount Everest an attempt. and. Uh, we didn't really know a lot about Everest at that point, like even though we were climbing around the world, but you know, Everest is, is a very different mountain. And just to give you a little perspective of, uh, of how it works, uh, on an average, you end up spending about over $50,000 at least uh, just to have an attempt to climb Mount Everest. 
the time taken is huge or an average you spend at least 50 to 60 days to climb a mountain of, of that magnitude. And uh, of course, to train, you know, you need years of training and experience. Now, we did have the training and the experience, but we didn't really have the finances uh, with us. And, you know, raising about $100,000 for, uh, for your passion is something which is not very common in, in a place like India. You know, with $100,000 uh, for that much money, most people in Asia would be like, you know, go buy a house or invest in something. Uh, but uh, for me and Samir, we, we had this, uh, we had this drive. We had this passion. We'd been doing this the last five years since the time we started our adventure company. Uh, so we worked really hard. You know, we got around carrying the finances. We trained really well. And, um, in March of 2015, we, we reached the Everest base camp. You know, we were absolutely excited that this is one of our life's dream. And here we are, uh, you know, we're going to get a chance to finally climb Everest. And on the 25th of April, 2015, which actually, uh, you know, with today we are on the 20th of April, 2020. So exactly five years back, um, something extremely unfortunate happened. There was a huge earthquake in the country of Nepal, which was 7.8 on the Richter scale. And uh, that earthquake primarily triggered a, a massive uh, avalanche on the Everest base camp. And uh, some reports suggest that there was about 100,000 tons of ice, uh, which fell on the Everest base camp. And, you know, there were about 450 to 500 odd people at the Everest base camp at that point of time. I and Samir were also there at the Everest base camp at that point of time. And, uh, you know, the avalanche was basically a huge disaster. It, it leveled the entire base camp. Uh, it literally looked like a scene from an air crash after the avalanche hit the base camp. You know, the tents were destroyed. There were personal items of people which were scattered all over the camp. Unfortunately, um, there were there were bodies around. Uh, there were 22 odd people who lost their life uh, within a matter of hours because of the avalanche. Um, and you know, Samir and I uh, luckily were not injured. Uh, but uh, you know, the closest person, unfortunately, who lost his life was was just about 150 meters from where our camp was. And uh, you know, we were in shock. Uh, but also the shock kind of turned into gratitude uh, in a few hours where we realized that, you know, there are many people who, who've lost their lives, but we've been really fortunate enough. Uh, so that happened. Uh, but, you know, with that, uh, our entire dream of climbing Everest uh, was all blown away. And, uh, you know, it wasn't easy for us to get everything together and, uh, get to base camp. Um, so particularly in that year, in 2015, we, uh, you know, we stayed back at the Everest base camp, um, stayed back in the middle of the disaster and helped with whatever little rescue and relief efforts that we could provide to the injured. And um, officially, the Nepal government declared that 
the Everest climbing season for 2015 has been cancelled because Nepal as a country had gone through a huge uh, natural disaster, right? So it was not a priority for them. So we packed our bags uh, and, uh, you know, we, we came back home, which of course was very, very disappointing. It was very concerning for our families as well. And um, uh, we didn't really want to give up. You know, we, we truly felt this passion for the outdoors and for the, mountain, for the mountains. And we, we really wanted to go back and climb Everest. Uh, so Samir and I decided that we're going to work hard through the year of 2015 and 16. Uh, we give ourselves a little time, but we won't really lose focus of our goal. So we decided to climb Everest again in 2017. Now this time around, of course, raising the funds, you know, another hundred thousand dollars for the second time was, was even more challenging. You know, you can't go to the same people asking for help every time. So, uh, uh, we did crowdfunding, uh, we, we rolled out sponsorship proposals, you know, we started setting aside some amount from our, uh, from our salaries, from our company profits, did all of that and finally got the funds and found ourselves back at the Everest Base Camp in the year 2017 and, you know, everything was great. Uh, we spent about 55 days on Everest. Uh, basically, you have to acclimatize, right? So the way Everest works is that you have to go from base camp to camp one, you spend the night, then you come back all the way to base camp. Then you go to camp two, you spend the night, again, you come back all the way to base camp. Then you go to camp three, you spend the night, again, you come back all the way to base camp. So these are called rotations. You, you basically do these rotations to acclimatize well to the altitude and the temperature. And that's actually why it takes a mountaineer so much time. So uh, Samir and I finished 55 days on, on Everest and, you know, we were feeling absolutely good. Uh, you know, our acclimatization was well. Uh, the weather looked like in our favor. And uh, on a particular day, we stationed ourselves at 8,000 meters, which roughly translates to about 25,000 feet. And uh, as you would know, the, the summit is... Uh, at 8,848 meters, 8,848 meters. So from the place where we were, which is referred to as Camp 4, the summit of Mount Everest was just 850 meters away. You know, we could see the summit. And uh, that was like an amazing moment for us. Uh, but then suddenly the winds picked up and the winds uh, that was supposed to be at about 20, 25 kilometers an hour and the temperature which was supposed to be a comfortable minus 35, suddenly dropped. Uh, the winds picked up to about 100, 110 kilometers an hour. And the wind speeds, uh, because of the wind speeds, you know, the temperatures went down to about minus 45, minus 50. Now, these are absolutely unfavorable conditions to climb. You know, more than an hour of exposure to these conditions will result in severe, severe frostbite. And maybe about five to six hours, you will, you will probably just get hypothermia and you will not survive. Uh, so we spent about 30 hours uh, in a tiny tent in minus 45 and 120 kilometers of wind. Uh, we kept looking at the summit, you know, and we kept praying that the winds will go down and we will do the summit attempt. But then after 30 hours, we realized that, you know, we are running out of oxygen, supplementary oxygen. 
and uh, the weather is not going to improve at least for the next two days. So we had this real life scenario where we, we had to make a real decision. You know, this is our second attempt. We are just 800 meters from the summit. Um, you know, we've, we've busted about $200,000. Um, what do we do? Do we go down or do we stay here and we go up? But, uh, you know, we have to take a sound decision and uh, between me and Samir and our climbing Sherpa, uh, guess what we decided? We decided to go back down to safety. Um, so for the second time in 2017, uh, we turned back from Everest, uh, got back to base camp, uh, got back home. And at this time, you know, we were just completely full of self-doubt, you know, just completely disappointed. And, you know, then you hear things like, uh, it's not meant for you, or this was a message from God, or, you know, you should, you should try something else. Uh, so we did hear a lot of that, but that kind of uh, made us more determined and more passionate. And we said, you know what? Whatever it takes, we're going to go ahead and do this because that's what will get our self-confidence back. So uh, we didn't take a gap. We, we came back. We started training again, uh, literally sold our cars, took a loan, did everything that we could. We raised another $100,000 for the third time. When and... Uh, Luckily, I think uh, God had good plans this time. Um, so we finally summited Everest on the 18th of May, 2018. And uh, we were lucky enough to spend about 55 minutes sitting on top of, summit of, of the summit of Everest, uh, looking at the views. I think those were like the best 55 minutes of my life. And uh, yeah, that's our story uh, pretty much. Wow, that is, that is an amazing story. My question is, so after the first time you tried to get to the summit or get to the top, you were in a state of gratitude, is that correct? That's right, yes. And then the second time around, you were, how close to the top were you? Like how many, in days, how far were you? We were just 12 hours away. 12 hours away? Wow. And then you were disappointed and you went again the next year. Uh, what kept, what right. kept the hope alive? Uh, the hope, I think, uh, Jeremy, was, uh, you know, was self-confidence, uh, was something that uh, we knew that we were capable of. Um, the year of 2015 and the year of 2017, both the years in way. Uh, it was a natural disaster. You know, uh, the avalanche is something you can't control. The wind speeds is something that you can't control. Uh, but we always knew that, you know, we've prepared well. And sometimes things will not be in your favor. But you just need to keep trying. You just need to be out there. And if you really want it, you will get it if you keep working hard. So all we wanted was a fair chance. Uh, and which we, we think we did not get in 2015 and 17, primarily because of, uh, of factors that we could not control because of the elements of the nature. And uh, yeah, I think that was a huge, uh, huge factor that kept us going. 
Yeah, backing up a, a little bit, what was it like, I guess, mentally going from your, your job working in banking to pursuing what, what I assume a lot of people would think is kind of crazy, like being a mountaineer and, you know, climbing all these mountains and doing all these trails and, and eventually doing Everest. So what was that like mentally making that shift? Uh, that was uh, that was a difficult one. That was a difficult time, Kyle, because, uh, you know, as you rightly said, if, if you leave a good banking job and get into climbing mountains, a lot of people would think that is crazy. Um, I would be honest in saying that my own family was thinking that way, you know, why, why is it that you would do something like this? But uh, I didn't find any purpose in, in sitting in front of Excel sheets for like 10 hours a day. You know, uh, I, I, I wanted purpose. I wanted, I wanted goals. Uh, I wanted to feel uh, better. And I knew that I feel better in the outdoors, in the mountains, in the nature. Uh, so that shift did take a little time. Like, you know, uh, even after a year or two of me starting our own adventure company, people used to ask us, okay, yeah, that's fine. But what do you actually do? And, you know, we used to tell them, this is what we do. Like we, we climb mountains for a living and we make people climb mountains for a living, take them to the outdoors. And this is, this is an actual profession. And uh, people used to be like, ah, okay, we, we get it now. So uh, it was a difficult transition, but we kept, it because we believed in it and uh, eventually it worked out for us so did you experience any like self-doubt during that or did you guys immediately you know uh, I guess become become successful and able to make this company work or was it kind of like a struggle at the beginning how was that like uh, there was a struggle it was it was honestly a big struggle and I think you know uh, you spoke about, was there a self-doubt? I think uh, a lot of the self-doubt, which is created in us, even though we call it self-doubt, a lot of the self-doubt is created in us because of people around us at times, because of the things that you hear. Even though you may be like 100% confident of something, if five of your closest friends or family members tell you, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? You're like, yeah, you know, like maybe I'm not. And that kind of, uh, you know, took us a little time to get around the fact that, you know what, we are confident, like maybe these people may not be, but we are. So even if it is a struggle, it will be, and it will be our struggle and probably take us two years or four years, but we will get around it. And uh, I think that's what happened with us. Yes, there were moments of, of self-doubt. There were moments when, you know, we didn't have the revenues that we needed that were coming in. Um, but we just kept at it. Like, you know, we were confident. Uh, we, we ignored the negativity around, uh, which I think is very important. And uh, it, it, it worked out at the end of the day. Yeah, I like that. I think, uh, I think probably something that was probably pretty uh, helpful is also have a partner with you as well to kind of help with that self-doubt. That's always tell people like, Surround yourself with, you know, positive people. Surround yourself with people that you want to be like that, you know, that bring out the best in you. You know, and that's uh, kind of like we've touched on, on a little bit. Like just me and Jeremy doing this podcast together makes it a lot easier. I probably couldn't do it by myself. Like we both complement each other. And, you know, we 
you know, when I'm feeling down about it and he's like here to bring me up and, you know, vice versa. So, yeah, I think that's powerful and just something I wanted to share just for anybody who's listening, just the, the people around you are huge. And, you know, when there might be some negative negativity that maybe you can escape that is around you, you know, just bringing in some people who are there to lift you up to kind of push you past that is powerful. Oh, yes, absolutely. I think having positive people around you can like make all the difference in the world that I completely agree with you on that, Kyle. So we're so you did on the third try doing sorry, your story is so amazing to me. <laughs> because I know 99 in my judgment, 99.9% of people would have just like, all right, it's not meant for us. And you kept doing it. So yeah, what were some of your main takeaways from finally doing it that you took with you in your everyday life? Uh, that's a good question. I think in the everyday life, uh, a couple of takeaways. Uh, one, of course, is, you know, do not give up on your goal. Like, if you believe in it, you will make it happen. Uh, but the other takeaway essentially was that, you know, when we went through the 2015 and the 2017 disasters, um, we also realized that uh, everything is, is just very temporary. Like it, it won't last. Uh, so you just have to get through to the, the situation, like even now for COVID-19 and, um, um, you know, in my everyday life, these things really started helping me and I will quote a very, a very daily life example on this. And, uh, you know, I was back from, from Everest uh, surviving the avalanche in 2015. And I remember this one night I was driving from one city to another, uh, uh, which is about a hundred mile drive. And I was on the, on the highway and it was raining. You know, it was pouring actually. And, uh, in the middle of the night, because of the rains, there was there was no electricity and the lights had gone off. Um, there was absolutely no visibility. And it was about 12 in the night. And between all this, I had a flat tire. And ordinarily, I would have just stressed out so much. Anyone would have, you know, it, it's pouring. You can't see a thing. You're in the middle of the road. Uh, and what do you do? And I just took a moment. I just took a step back and I told myself, uh, you know what, this is temporary. You can stress out about it as much as you want, but it's going to be morning in the next five hours. And the moment it is, it's daylight, you will get help. So all you need to do is just step back and survive five hours. What best can you do? So just go to sleep. And I actually just pulled up on the side and I, I put on my blinking lights, emergency lights, and I just went to sleep. And um, I think these kind of takeaways that, you know, it everything is going to be temporary, and uh, when you go to the nature, when you when when you are in the outdoors and you're in nature, you know these problems uh, seem very small. Uh, so you know we need to kind of I think step back, look at the problem, keep telling ourselves that it's it it is temporary, it's not going to stay, and and just uh, go through the moment. I think that has been a, a very big takeaway for me. Yeah, I love that message. Yeah, just there's no, there's nothing you can do about it and that type of thing. And just, you know, you choose how you want to feel in that situation. I like how you said, like, I could 
choose to be stressed, but you know, that's not really going to help me. And just realizing like, and just having that thought run through your head, like this is temporary. It's going to be morning. I'm going to get through this. So let's just go from there and, you know, choose how I want to feel. I, I, I really like that a lot. Um, yeah. And one question I had for you that you mentioned that some people said to you after the first and second time uh, trying to climb Everest was, you know, maybe this is a, a sign from God. Um, that, that's an interesting take. So, uh, I'm, a, I'm a believer in God myself. And sometimes, yeah, that can be kind of messy. It's like, because I know I've heard that before and I can't think of specific examples, but it's like, is this a sign from God or like, is that more of like almost an excuse not to do something? I kind of wanted to hear your take on that and why you thought it wasn't a sign from God and why you just chose to continue going. <laughs> um, I think it, it was a mix of things, uh, Kyle. It, you know, to be very honest, it wasn't that I, uh, those kind of statements uh, did not put me into self-doubt. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the factors that really worked was having uh, my climbing partner, Samir, with me around. Um, you know, so that positivity worked. If I thought it was a sign from God, he did not, for example. So we both decided that we're going to go ahead and we're going to climb. And after the 2015 and 17 attempt, you know, we, we started looking at problems in a start in a, in a different way. You know, we started stepping back and keep and start, started telling ourselves that it's going to be temporary. The, what I was telling you sometime back. So um, I thought to myself that even if it is a sign from God, let me go ahead and try it in 18. If it really was, he'll give me another sign. And uh, you know, so an approach like that and um, 2018 luckily went well. So uh, I kind of now believe that it really wasn't a sign from God. So, yeah. Oh. So what's next? What's, what's the, the big goal next? Uh, actually, the bucket list is kind of endless, but uh, I definitely want to climb uh, the, the seven summits across the world. You know, the concept of the highest peak in every continent. So I've been fortunate enough to climb Kilimanjaro in Africa a couple of times. I've been fortunate enough to climb the highest peak in Europe, uh, which is Mount Elbrus in Russia a couple of times. I've been fortunate to climb the highest mountain in the world, which is Mount Everest. Uh, I need to come over to the US and climb in the North America and the South America. So uh, we're aiming to do the seven summits, basically climb all the seven. So three are done, four more to go. Interesting. So, so how does it go about uh, helping uh, you help other people climb mountains as well? Do you help people climb Mount Everest or is that something that, that is doable? Yes, uh, that is doable. And that is something that we do as well. Uh, we, we help people climb Everest because, you know, with the kind of experience that we now have on Everest and on other mountains, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's what we do as a company. You know, people come to us and they say, you know what, I think I want to climb Kilimanjaro and can you help me do that? I want to climb Everest. And every mountain will have a different approach, will have a different training plan. Uh, but it's not only about the mountains. It's only it's also about 
taking people to the outdoors uh, for smaller treks could be five days or 10 days. And, uh, you know, the kind of reaction that people have after you take them uh, to the outdoors for a trek into the Himalayas is, is absolutely amazing. You know, just people are full of gratitude and people are just, uh, just so more self-aware and, uh, you know, that feeling of being in the nature because uh, for a lot of people today, it's only about office and Excel sheets and, and restaurants and malls and bowling alleys and bars. And, um, you know, you kind of miss, uh, you kind of miss the outdoors and the nature uh, in, in those things. And, you know, when, when somebody finally signs up with us and, and when they come with us, they, they just want to do more, you know, like it's, uh, there's just so much of self-awareness. They learn so much about themselves. Uh, they, they learn to deal with problems. Uh, so to, to do all this, you don't really just have to, you know, be able to climb a mountain. Even if you take a 10-day hiking trip or a trekking trip, which could be uh, not very long, um, I can assure you that, it, it you know the nature is, uh, is is the best teacher like i i genuinely feel there's nothing better than nature that can really teach you things yeah i, I can i can relate to that a lot i know um just uh, I, haven't, I haven't climbed any mountains but i do like to go uh mountain biking i try to go on a weekly basis when it's warm here but uh and yeah it's yeah, I don't even know how to explain it. Just something about being outside and, you know, being off your phone, you know, for, for a few hours in my case is just uh, something truly, truly, truly special. And just kind of just being out in nature is, yeah, it's really awesome. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I had a question before I started that story and I honestly forget it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, your your story makes me want to go in nature. <laughs> Stuck in, like, yeah, but uh, you know, Jeremy, it's uh, it's oh yes, absolutely. I think all of us are just uh, missing getting out there. But I was just gonna say that it's it's all about the experiences that you gather, and I think even for you, uh, I heard you saying in some of your podcasts that you you want to travel through Asia and you want to teach English to different people, and you want to experience the, the culture in Asia. And uh, I think there is nothing more valuable than that, than, than, you know, gathering experiences. So whether you, you're actually just traveling across countries or you are outdoor and outdoors and hiking for 15, 20 days or whatever it is. But I think for all of us, it's, it's the experiences that, that would count and they count today. So that's, that's great. So I remember my question now. <laughs> so what's okay. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the mental shift people have to make? Whether it's uh, I'm sure it's quite the shift when you're having to you know climb Mount Everest. I mean, just doing a, a 50 day, 45 50 day kind of adventure, trying to do that is got to have some strong you know mentality and mental health. But really, anything. I mean, just doing like a, a 10 day or 15 20 day trek or wherever, I feel like there has to be quite, uh, I guess, a bit of like a mental training. Do you guys, how do you guys uh, prepare people for that? Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, if, uh, 
you know, someone signs up with us for for a trek, let's say we're just 10 days or 12 days. And if it's something that they're doing for the first time, uh, yes, they, they do have a lot of anxiety. Uh, and, you know, we keep getting uh, calls from anxious people saying, am I going to be able to do it? Uh, I've never done this before. What if I'm not able to finish it? So we do get a lot of these questions, but, you know, we keep telling people one basic thing that I primarily believe is that you will only grow as a person if you come out of your comfort zone, period. You know, if you are in your comfort zone, you are not going to grow. And uh, we've had some amazing uh, examples, you know, we've we've, we've taken, uh, so one of the products that we essentially do is, is called the Everest Base Camp Trek. It's an 11-day trek which takes you till the base camp of Mount Everest. It's, it's a very famous trek. I'm, I'm sure you guys would have heard about it. Uh, so we've had people who have been uh, 65, 70 plus who've, who've trekked with us to the base camp. Uh, the youngest person we've ever taken uh, with us for the hike to the Everest base camp is a six-year-old boy from, from India. Um, I personally have taken my mom to the Everest Base Camp, you know, when she was 58, a couple of years back. And she said, I want to know what you do for a living. Like, what is it, this place? And I want to come see with, see it with you. I said, yeah, please come. And I, I gave her a training plan for three months and gave her the confidence. And, and, you know, she came up all the way to the Everest Base Camp with me and she hiked for 11 days. And, you know, these are stories that we tell people. Uh, sometimes we even put them in touch with these people to get a call, uh, to get on a call and, you know, they then get the confidence. Uh, so they just have, they just need someone to keep telling them that you can do it. I think they need that positive influence. They need someone to believe in them and we do that. And nine out of 10 people who come with us make it to the base camp or any other destination for that matter. So what would you say, would you say the oldest person you've taken was? Seventy two. So I have time. <laughs> you have a lot of time. <laughs> um, my next you question should is consider... really powerful. Consider <laughs> my next question doesn't make a joke because my next question is a really really good one. When are we going? <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, you guys should consider doing your next, uh, at least one podcast from the highest podcast in the world from, from the Airbus Base Camp. Jeremy and Kyle from the Airbus Base Camp. Oh, man, don't do that to us. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll make for just, a brilliant podcast. That would be cool. Uh, <laughs> I just got goosebumps. Oh, gosh, I'm literally visualizing it. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, the highest podcast? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that, that would be so powerful, though. I know. I can't even talk right now. Like, we're picturing it. We're up there. Like, yeah, we're out. <laughs> I can't even see this. <laughs> Who would we interview? We'd interview us, Raj, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Round two. <laughs> like, part two? Can you imagine? Part two? Oh, oh man! Oh, all right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> definitely write that down, Jeremy, because that needs to be on our our bucket list for the podcast for sure. Um, 
We can get so, sponsorships and we can, we can uh, so many things you got. I'm kidding. I'm oh, yes, you, you totally can get sponsorship for that. But getting to the base camp is, is not very expensive. So it's, uh, you possibly won't need sponsorship for that. So it, it's cool. Okay, cool. Um, oh, yeah. So one question I had was so you were talking about uh, bringing your mom along and you gave her a, a three month training. What is the, what is the training to do the, the, uh, the base camp trek? What's that like? Uh, so if we talk about the, the physical training aspect of it, uh, honestly, it's not very complicated. You know, you just need to build endurance. Uh, and for that, you, you just need to do a lot of cardio in terms of either go for long walks or go for runs, spend time on a treadmill or go for a swim. Um, and not very much, you know, honestly, if you do that about an hour, hour and a half a day for about three to four months, and you, you invest about six days in a week, um, you are quite there. And, you know, we obviously up the game. We tell people to climb stairs, uh, take a small backpack, which would be about five to seven kgs, spend at least 30 minutes climbing stairs, uh, things like that. Uh, but essentially, uh, the only thing one needs to remember is that it's a long trek. It's about 10 days and you're walking for about seven to eight hours every day. Uh, and to build endurance, you just need time. Like there's no shortcut to it. So ideally it's about six months is what you need to prepare. But if you have, if you're already into fitness, if you already do your workouts in the morning, then three to four months is, is good enough. Uh, so yeah, it's actually quite simple. And you know, for a lot of people actually do these kind of fit, follow these kind of fitness regimes. Uh, so physically they're there. But mentally, they can't get around to tell themselves that, yeah, I can also do this. I can trek to the base camp of the highest mountain in the world because either they've probably not, uh, they don't have the exposure or uh, they're just not sure. And, you know, uh, you'll be surprised to know that a lot of people that we get for these treks uh, come in pairs, you know, they come with friends. And it's usually one friend instigating the other, you know, Kyle telling Jeremy, Jeremy telling Kyle, and, you know, so on and so forth. And, um, it, it, I think it just comes down to that positive influence. Like, you know, oh, you're going, okay, I want to come. If you're going, I think I can also come and we both can do it together. If we fail, we'll fail together. If we, if we reach base camp, we, we'll reach base camp together. So uh, it kind of just uh, it really helps uh, having a positive person. You know, it, it kind of just gets to that point again. And uh, yeah, that's how it works for us. So you said three to four months or six months, correct? Yes, that's right. So, so, so either, so either October or like August. So I'm just actually October oh. is a very good season to go to base camp. We we take a lot of people. So the the season is March or April or October. August is monsoon in Nepal, so you can't really do the trek in, in, in the heavy rains. But October is, is absolutely brilliant. All right. So I guess October. That'd be the craziest story ever. We had like a podcast with you. And then October 20th, we went to Mount Everest. It'd be insane. Right, it's, in my, it's, in my, it's in my calendar. Put it in there. Everest. Awesome. I like that. 
Hey Kyle, I know you said one o'clock is your hard stop. I'm I'm sorry. I don't want to like keep you guys waiting. So howsoever you would want to uh, continue, just let me know. Okay. Yeah, we still got a few more minutes. Uh, I great. That's great. Questions. So uh, great. Yeah. How how often are you climbing, trekking, whatever? Is this something you do on a, on a monthly basis or weekly? How's that work? Uh, so we usually have, uh, so we run a company now and we have about, we have a team of about six odd people. So we usually do two treks in a month, uh, two big treks in a month. And uh, they're just not limited to, to India. They could be across the world really, uh, except the Americas. And that's something we don't do any treks now, but it could be uh, climbing Mont Blanc in France, or it could be climbing Kilimanjaro in Africa, or it could be climbing uh, to the Everest Base Camp in Nepal. Um, so I usually, uh, track about six months in a year. Uh, but it's usually about 10 to 12 days in a month. Um, so not, I'm not out 10 days for every month. I'm out possibly like, uh, 10 days every month, only for six months in a row. Uh, but the other thing that we actually do, which also I feel is very powerful now and, uh, you know, that's the reason I could relate to uh, the the playful uh, podcast of yours, you know, uh, about about playing uh, was that, you know, we now using our experience, we conduct a lot of uh, training programs, which is primarily exposing participants to the elements of nature and to the outdoors, which are outdoor games. And uh, making people self-aware, uh, making people realize the importance of communication, making people realize the importance of, of teamwork or the power of a team. Um, so we do a lot of training programs now across, uh, across India for some really big companies, which uh, is, is like a new way of learning completely in the outdoors. And uh, that, uh, that's, some, that's something that also uh, goes really well with us. Wow. So, uh, one, one question that we always like to ask all our guests, which you probably know, cause you, you've obviously done your homework on the podcast, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so what's uh, one message you'd like to spread to everyone in the world? You can just kind of, kind of billboard it. What would it be? Oh, I think it would be, um, it would be something like this too shall pass and everything is temporary. Just pretty much that. I love it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm taking from this podcast. Everything is temporary. I like that a lot. That's that's the quote you're going to use, Jeremy, when you post this to your story. <laughs> Jeremy always tries to find the quote. <laughs> always tries to find the quote. I just like to capture the essence of people. I think uh, people know that I just I think everyone has a magic to bring to the world. And um, I just want to ask one more question. I sometimes ask this uh, rarely, but I want to ask you. Um, who can I honor you as? Um, I'm sorry, I, I didn't really get the question. I said, how could I honor you? Like, how can I, uh, who could I honor you as? Like, what kind of person can I honor you as? What kind of a person you mean? Yeah, like, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll switch it up. What, um, what do you want to bring more of in this world? Ah, okay, all right. Um, I think it would be, 
uh, more of people having self-confidence, confidence in themselves, uh, more positivity in themselves. So I think it would be uh, confidence and positivity. I think these two things. Awesome. Love it. Same here. <laughs> well, uh, thanks, thanks so for coming, Sarosh. Thank it was you so much. Quite an adventure. <laughs> yes, and uh, I would look forward to seeing you guys at the Everest Base Camp. Oh, be amazing! <laughs> so cool. Right. <laughs> so cool. Uh, All right. So we so we don't forget. Where can people find you? Where can people find your company? All that good stuff. Oh, that's uh, thanks for that, Kyle. Uh, we called Adventure Pulse. Uh, we you could find us on Facebook and on Instagram uh, by the same name, Adventure Pulse, and we'll be we'll be happy to connect with you guys in everyone who everyone who may just want to get to the outdoor with us. All right, awesome. There you have it. Thank you. All right, thank you so much. Thank you for your time, guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, if you're listening, we will see you next week. <laughs>